That's Orgasmic. You are joined by your host, sexologist Emily Duncan, and today I am joined with Sarah Lajeune. <laughs> I forgot that already. <laughs> <laughs> I always crumble on the surnames. I don't know. Lajeunesse. Lajeunesse. Okay. Yeah. Say that again. Okay. Yeah. And today I, I believe yeah. in you. <laughs> and today I'm joined with Sarah Lajeunesse, who is a certified and award-winning coach speaker and shame healer who helps humans heal the areas of shame in their lives that prevent them from experiencing a greater and richer quality of life that's possible. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I am very excited about our conversation. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start <laughs> this very random, as I had said before. Um, yeah. And when we were emailing prior to this, there was a few words that just stuck out to me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to start with these words. <laughs> okay, I have a feeling I know where this is going, yeah, but let's you, do yeah, it. Yeah, you definitely do. Okay, so you mentioned Eiffel Towers, uh, Eiffel Towers, and I'm not going to lie, that 100%, that was the thing that caught my attention. So <laughs> tell me, like, are we talking about, like, the Eiffel Tower, or are we talking about, like, Eiffel Towers, if you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, sex positions. I yes. learn about, and... I mean, well, I, obviously we're going to dive into this, um, but the core of my work is helping humans heal areas of shame in their lives. And um, there's no more prevalent areas of shame that I've witnessed specifically for women uh, than areas of finances and sex and intimacy. Mm-hmm. Body image is obviously in there as well. Um, but yeah, in, in my time, whether it's men and women, I you know, as we start discussing these areas of deeply rooted shame um, and experiences from their past that can keep them paralyzed or just haunt them for years when, again, the core of my work is is to reiterate that that doesn't have to be the case. Um, I have learned some interesting lingo and about some new positions (laughs) that cause people to feel shame. So it's, it's very exciting for me when I get to learn all about all this new stuff going on with the young kids these days <laughs> absolutely I um in my first week of uni doing sexology we had to sit and describe um we had like got paired with somebody we didn't know and then they put up on the projector screen different photos literally straight out of porn basically and we had to sit there and describe to the person what we were seeing and I mm, had somebody like the three people doing the Eiffel Tower and I was like, oh, they're doing the Eiffel Tower. The like the person I was paired with was like, what do you mean they're doing the Eiffel Tower? Like, oh, you know what an Eiffel Tower is? <laughs> Amazing. So you, yeah, you know all about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I know all about it. Um, haven't experienced it yet, but know all about it. <laughs> um, but I feel like some of the names are like so creative when it comes to like sex positions. Um, yeah, there's there, there are a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun, but yeah, as, as, yeah, I guess as much as like, you know, love talking about like the funny side of sex and obviously would love that incorporated throughout today as well, but I would love to discuss shame with you. And I just want to start with like how you define sexual shame. Mm -hmm. Um, Great question. And I actually wouldn't even, I think, differentiate or compartmentalize shame into different Mm -hmm. areas. I think that um, shame 
has, I, I would say, shame and closely tied to it guilt um, are two of the fundamental and internal, I want to preface internal, um, areas that contribute to keeping people in unwanted or disempowering situations. And I, I say this often from the boardroom to the bedroom and everywhere in between. Um, so regardless of what type of experiences have existed from the past, it has the ability to impact someone in the way I define shame. Um, it's someone feeling unworthy, undeserving, not enough, whatever that looks like, which if that impacts you in one area, I often see it impact people in multiple arenas in their life. So, you know, a woman, um, oftentimes when people reach out to me, um, I'm starting to laugh at the story ahead of <laughs> time, but when people reach out to me, I often hear like, I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I got so off center. That's one of the number one things. Um, mm -hmm. And the way that I think shame presents itself is it adds up incrementally, like layers of an onion over time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have a woman and I was just talking about this, this story actually earlier on today, um, where a woman found out, you know, quite early on that uh, her mother actually blamed her um, for getting sick after she was born. Um, so blamed her for getting sick. Um, she was depressed. There was, you know, postpartum uh, depression afterwards. Um, to which her husband at the time blamed her and sought the comfort and love in the arms of another woman. So at a very young, you know, ripe young age, this woman has this belief that um, just her existence caused sickness and illness for her mom, caused the destruction of the family unit, um, caused extreme pain, caused, you know, all sorts of things. Um, so over time, you know, fast forward a few years, um, she discovers that, uh, you know, her, her mother was actually, you know, having an affair with someone else. And she saw a letter saying, you know, had I not been pregnant, I could have actually been with you. So it was, it was essentially a letter blaming the birth or the, again, the existence of this woman um, on preventing her from actually finding and, and going into a more loving relationship. So over time, and we don't even realize it may seem, I mean, those are two quite significant experiences, um, but I've seen anything from, you know, um, young girls having post-it notes posted around, you know, cupboards and kitchen pantries saying, you know, that their mom has written, um, you know, are you sure you want to eat that? Do you know how many calories mm -hmm. that is? Mm -hmm. um, women who've been brought to doctor's office and their mom lifts up the shirt in front of the doctor and says, okay, like, what do you think? I, I think she's overweight. I think she's fat. What do you think? Um, and so we don't even realize all of these layers that add up over time that essentially make someone feel at their core that they are not enough and further pushes us, you know, further and further away from our core essence, um, which I believe is, you know, infinite, it's expansive, it's unconditionally loving, you live in a world of possibility, um, versus one in which you constantly feel like you have to change, adapt, or fix yourself to someone else's standards in order to be enough. Um, so that was a long winded way of answering your question. But um, regardless of the area of shame, it can impact people in multiple different areas and, and often does. Yeah, absolutely. And I 100% agree with everything you just said. And I, yeah, I 100% prefer putting it in that way than just being like, we have sexual shame and this type of shame and this type of shame, because literally shame from so many different experiences within your life will contribute to how you show up today and then mm -hmm. how you show up in your sexual relationships, your intimate relationships. So yeah, I, I, I love that. And I think it's good for people to be aware of how diverse that is. Like, as you mm -hmm. said, literally from something like how 
obviously parents have a massive impact um, when they have like, you know, in such a crucial part of your life, but you know, something like weight and like the post-it notes and things like it even just brought back things like my childhood. I'm like, yeah, hundred percent. Those, these little moments all contribute to how much, I guess, you see your worth and then, Mm -hmm. you know, the relationships you show up in and yeah. Do you find that people maybe like, will go for the type of like if they've got a say a lot of shame then go for relationships where it kind of it's almost like an anxious attachment where it kind of like it brings up that shame even more if that makes sense Mm -hmm. or like it's like they're almost trying to heal it by dating that person because if they can win them over or validate them then they've kind of they've done it but then often that doesn't happen in relationships if that makes sense yeah. Um, and so the, what I have seen um, and what I believe is that every human being is driven by a fundamental set of, of human needs um, to be loved, to feel approved of, to feel validated, to be worthy, to feel a whole, whatever. Um, so we will cross any sometimes boundary or it may be an illogical decision or behavior in order to attempt to meet those needs. Um, so that is where I, I see that shame can ultimately lead people to remaining in, in what I call disempowering or unwanted relationships, meaning you could be in a career path where you're treated incredibly poorly. Um, you know, in, in my own experience, I, before, um, obtaining my coaching certification several years ago, I was in professional sports. So I worked for, um, uh, a number of professional football organizations here in Canada. And there were times in which, again, because of my own sense of inadequacy or my own sense of unworthiness or, or whatever was driving, driving this decision, I would remain longer than I felt that I should in certain organizations um, where I felt incredibly disempowered. Um, where I was because I was, you know, the woman, I was going to get coffees and lunches and this, that. So that again, that's a small example. Um, and I didn't choose to speak up. And so I think that's where shame can then start to come in is uh, in certain relationships. And like I said, where people can get to that point of like, how did I get here in this one specific, you know, I, I don't know how I ended up with this relationship or with it, with this lifestyle or this career. Um, and it's all these things, you know, small incremental like layers of an onion building up to this point where we just see a breaking point and a boiling point. Um, so to, to give you, I guess, to respond to your question with a bit of a story, this, this woman, I think I actually wrote it when I reached out to you. Um, but this woman is, you know, she's sitting with her partner. They've just had sex for the first time and, you know, they've been dating for a few months. They believe they actually have, and, and, you know, confirm with one another, they believe they are soulmates, they're madly mm-hmm. in love. And so the first time they sleep together, they're in each other's arms, they're looking up at each other. And the man opens his mouth and the woman, you know, thinks, okay, you know, this is it. He, he's gonna That's the first problem those, with his mouth. <laughs> yeah, those three words, like this is it. And he says to her, he says, we've got to get you on a program. We've got to beefen up this booty in her most vulnerable state, right? It's not before, notice it's after, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, I I mean, fortunately, she was working with me for a bit of time that she said, if you ever make a comment on my body, it will be the last time you ever see it. Whereas I have worked with countless women who have been in similar situations, um, 
different content, but same context where they have received unsolicited advice, um, you know, mix in a shaver or, you know, do, you know, your under comments on, you know, underwear, things like that, um, where they have felt like they couldn't stand up for themselves. Um, they've quieted themselves. They've, they've downplayed or diminished their feelings out of fear that if they do, it will cause conflict. It will ultimately lead to them losing their relationship or their partner, ultimately putting into um, or ultimately threatening those deeply needed human, human, or sorry, those deeply desired human needs to feel loved, to feel heard, to yeah. feel valued, it, right? Yeah. So again, a long-winded way of answering your question, but um, that's the disempowerment that I think that can occur if we are in a state of unworthiness where, you know, if we can have those conversations, it's not saying, I, I think that there are a lot of human beings that don't necessarily aren't coming from a healthy mental, healthy, um, uh, psychological, spiritual, whatever you want to call it. And so someone else's insecurities then gets put on and blames someone else. And so it's in those moments, how we choose to stand up for ourselves will further define you know, just how much more someone else may push that boundary. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that 100% makes sense. And like, I can 100% see somebody with low self-worth not wanting to, um, I've talked about it before, almost like scales, like how you see the relationship and viewer and then your self-worth. And if the yeah. relationship you view it higher than your self-worth, then you're going to put up with that shit until yeah. it gets enough and enough that you're like, the relationship becomes lower and sometimes that takes years or forever and I see particularly like cis women will like check out of a relationship six months before it actually ends but they still have that six months of building their self-worth back up before they actually leave it um it's not like this like oh I actually like I don't like what you said or I'm sick of this I'm gonna leave they wait until it gets to a certain point and they're you know happy within themselves a bit more before they leave I often yeah. I often see and like I think I've even done that myself like where yeah. you just wait until it's just I guess easier and not as like not as um yeah uncomfortable if yeah if that all makes yeah. sense <laughs> well and it can also then go back to whether we have the self-belief the self-trust um the self-worth in actually having those courageous conversations in the first place. And I think that's, a, it sounds like a generalization, but that's, I think, you know, uh, I do a lot of work with men around shame as well. Um, and what I have witnessed is that is more of the type of, okay, just keep your head down. I have a job, you know, I have, I have to fix things. I have, I have to put a roof over our head. I have to provide food. I have to do this, but very rarely do I encounter a man, a man who, was provided early on in life the psychological safety to talk about their emotions and feelings. I think that's changing now. Um, but when you um, get into that space, then a lot of um, communication challenges or a lot of conflict or disagreements or whatever it is that once could have maybe um, been saved through, again, courageous conversation can lead to the destruction of a relationship. Um, and so that's a perfect example of, yeah, where some people can, can then just choose, you know, I'm, I'm actually out of this instead of actually speaking up about, it, I'm just going to, you know, let it prolong, even though I already have one foot out the door, as opposed to having the conversation of saying, you know, I've, I've witnessed relationships actually be saved by the simple line of, I don't want you speaking that way to me anymore. 
Absolutely. And I feel like unless you have that conversation, even though in your head you might be like, oh my God, but what if I lose this person? Whatever. They're obviously not your person if you're going to have this conversation and they don't want to take on the um, either like respecting your boundaries or respecting you or like, you know, growing in that relationship and communicating together to show up in the best way that they both can. So I feel like if you're not even like, if they don't respond well in that conversation, if you do it as soon as you can, you're dodging a bullet because they're, they're not going to change anyway. Like even if you don't say anything, they're going to continually show up in that way if, mm-hmm. you know, they're not they're not going to change it. So, yeah, yeah, I think 100%, even though it might be terrifying to like, you know, to think, oh, my God, but what if this conversation, you know, I lose this person, it's going to be so much worse in the long run if you're going to then be like, okay, this is an acceptable behavior, even though it doesn't sit right. And then you're just, yeah. it's going to impact, you know, your own your self-worth and impact so many things. Yeah. And, th- and again, that's why I believe shame actually has a kind of root cause in every hurtful, harmful, or violent or abusive act in the world. Um, I, I talk about how, you know, World War II was started essentially because one country had so much shame around what they lost as a result of the Versailles Treaty after or following World War I. Um, so all of these lives being lost, millions upon millions of lives being lost as a result of shame. Um, I see it with infidelity. I see it with broken communication, with abuse, with everything. Um, but it, it does start, you know, again, that's one more of those little incremental layers where it's like, I'm going to choose not to speak up in this moment where I feel disempowered, or I'm going to choose just not to say anything if I feel like um, my own sense of self-worth is being violated here, where again, it gets to that point where how did I end up with this man who is, you know, giving me advice on the size of my butt, Mm. right? (laughs) You know, I talked to you about like fish hooks and everything where this woman is like, you know, she's, she's getting intimate with a guy and she's like, okay, this is great. I'm loving it. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, he reaches around and like grabs and this is the first time I heard of this, but like reaches around, like pulls the side of her mouth. And she's like, Sarah, I have no idea what it was. I had, yeah, I had to Google it. It's called a fish hook. (laughs) um, I'm telling you, there are some people that may love it. My client did not, but she's like, how did I get to this point in which I'm in bed with someone and they feel like this is an okay thing to do, or this is a respectful act um, to, and she doesn't say anything. And she wonders, Mm -hmm. how did I get here? And it's, again, it's not a one and done. It's not, you know, we've reached a boiling point, but we have forgotten all of the layers over time that have actually contributed to that moment that says, I'm not worthy or I'm not deserving of a better or more respectful love than what I currently have. Yeah, um, yeah, a hundred percent. And I did not know that was the name for it. A fish. That was it. Fish hook. <laughs> oh my god! That makes so much sense. And, and I feel and, yeah. <laughs> and I, I have several. You know, the, and and this is also how I talk about shame is like it's also based on our own societal, cultural programming and familial programming and conditioning, um, and it's completely subjective. So. One woman calls me one morning at, you know, it's 7 a.m. And my, again, my, my programs are vastly different where I'm, I'm on someone's speed dial essentially for the moments that shame pops up. Cause I don't believe they just pop up every other Thursday at 3 p.m. or whenever our scheduled call is as wonderful as that would be. Um, but she calls me and she said, oh my gosh, Sarah, I just woke up in this man's house. I have no, idea, you know, and she had fun. It was consensual, whatever. Um, but she had just gotten out of a long-term relationship over a decade. 
and went out for a night on the town. She had some drinks. She danced the night away. It was great. Um, and she goes, she goes back home with this guy. She calls me that I say, she's like, oh my gosh, Sarah, I'm such a slut. I'm such a, whore. you know, has all of these names in her head. And I have another client who that's her regular Thursday night. She loves it. She's safe. She gets checked. She has her partners get checked, but she's like, you know, she'll, she'll on our call. She's like, Sarah, I just learned about this new move. I'm like, no, I don't need, but right. It's, it's, you know, at, at what point do we define that someone is a slut? But is it one? Is it two? Is it 13 times? Right. It's completely just based on our perception of where shame deserves to be handed out or held in someone's yeah. life. No, absolutely. And everyone is so different. Like mm-hmm. even I think of all the people within my life, the way that you, you can see where the shame kicks in at different points. Yeah. And it's so interesting how I guess all of our life experiences have then got us to that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's super, super interesting. Do you find that there's any like key moments or like key patterns that you see with shame that are kind of like, um, I guess like the most inf- the most uh, things that contribute to shame, that's not the right, the right way to say it, but like things that contribute the most to shame that you might see in like um, your clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, I think that the most common occurrences for shame uh, with women specifically is around sex, intimacy and finances. Again, body image is there, but I think it's actually largely rooted in intimacy and sex. Um, so yes, our self-image. Um, with men, a lot of what I see is moments of time, uh, or moments in their past in which they felt like they were weak, um, where they couldn't do something on their own when they, you know, um, they maybe felt small, they maybe felt, um, you know, not capable that, you know, again, especially working with, uh, several men who maybe come from a sporting background. So again, here in Canada, hockey is, you know, our, our country sport. Um, and there can be a lot of shame in locker rooms mm-hmm. in terms of, um, you know, if anyone is weak, if there's, if there's emotion, if it, you know, body parts, all sorts of things. Um, and also, again, I'm just thinking of, um, I hear a lot, it's, it's kind of funny. I hear a lot of um, piss stories. And so I was like, what do you mean by a fish story? Um, there's someone who, I don't know if you've, uh, if you've ever been in a gym class where it has one of those ropes that you climb, it could be mm-hmm. like old school, but like, yeah. So yeah. a woman was climbing up one of those ropes and someone goes over and pulls her pants down. Okay. Right. She starts yeah. pissing all over and like, she's like frozen up there and she's literally peeing. And instead of the teacher saying, you know, my gosh, I'm protecting her. She starts yelling at her. You blankety blank, get down there, you know, clean yourself up, all this stuff. Um, So all of a sudden there, you know, there's just so much shame around that. And she goes home. She talks to her, um, her parents. She can't go. She, she's mortified. She can't go back to her school. She has to end up going to um, a private school. That's only Mm -hmm. their option. Um, Private schools cost a lot more money. Um, The increased financial burden um, starts causing conflict amongst the parents. Um, mm-hmm. All of a sudden, in her mind, you know, not only is she bad, is it mortifying, is it embarrassing, but she, because of her existence, it's now causing hardship financially, um, fighting, you know, that that sort of thing. And she got to a point in which 
you know, now that she's grown up and she's trying to step more into an entrepreneurial role, every time she tries to actually ask a client for um, uh, essentially her services, charging what she's worth, she pees herself. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, she doesn't do that anymore. You know, we, we get to the root of it. We work on actually releasing the beliefs, all of that, um, to the point that she is incredibly successful economically. Um, but it is interesting again, to see the ways in which, you know, someone else, I, I have a guy who that was, you know, every time he went out with the boys, he'd piss himself. And it was a big joke amongst all of his buddies. Um, another guy working with, you know, it's a, it's a mortifying thing that he's carried around for three decades. Um, so it is fascinating to see, and it's completely based on how someone perceives often, um, how someone of influence even treated them in that moment of potential embarrassment or humiliation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is like such a great conversation just to show how different the experiences can be that lead to shame like it's not just like this one this one you know typical example of like I don't know growing up in like you know a patriarchal society and therefore you know that's why we have sexual shame and it's the same thing like this is so so diverse and I guess I've also never looked at like the financial shame either and like the Mm -hmm. burden of that and like especially as like kids because like you know you come into the world and we're expensive we're fucking expensive (laughs) and I can imagine so many parents you know fight over finances and the stress and of course if you know if they're if you're witnessing that and if it is to do with things like school you're going to carry that so but you're probably not even aware of it until you Mm -hmm. really sit down and think about it do you have like any advice for finding the shame in the layers before it like in the onion before mm. it gets to like the you know the big the big explosion of like you have you know finding that yeah. point of holy shit I've got so much shame or something's not working anymore. It's Emily interrupting here with an important announcement from Bush. As we know, Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales are well and truly happening at the moment, and Bush is having their biggest sale of the year with between 30 and 50% off their products. Plus, for a limited time only, That's Orgasmic listeners get an extra 10% off on top of the sale price with the code That's Orgasmic 40 for couples play items only. Whether you're treating yourself to a new vibe or getting your holiday gifting sorted early, now is the perfect time to do so. It's also the perfect opportunity to try out their newest couples toy range with the 40% off if you use our code. Head to www.vushstimulation.com and don't forget to use the code That's Orgasmic 40 to claim your extra 10% off sale at checkout. The discount code can also be found in the show notes, but for now, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, I do things vastly different in which my coaching programs actually start with an in-person intensive that sometimes go eight hours, 10 hours, sometimes 12 hours, um, wow. sometimes, sometimes two days <laughs> if, they're, if they're brave enough to come back for more the next day. Um, but we go through all of these layers and often what we find that there's so many things underneath the surface and simply, you know, from, from going through, from releasing, from identifying that they're not the only ones. And I think that's where a lot of shame can occur as well, right? It's, it's the thought that, you know, I am so, what, what happened to me is so 
wrong. It's so bad. I'm so humiliated. I'm the only one, you know, I get a lot of people, you know, whether there's arguments and I think a lot of shame that can contribute to, um, uh, the result of say divorce, um, couples can get to a point where they just want to hurt each other. Right. Um, as opposed to if each person looked at and identified and took their own personal accountability or their own self-responsibility on what are the areas that are impacting, um, the harm that I'm causing to, and, and yeah, so I'm kind of going all over the place, but to answer your question, the first thing is, you know, we look at areas in which you may find yourself in those disempowering situations. Um, so it could be work, it could be in the bedroom, it could be, um, with your kids. You know, I, I had one woman reach out to me saying, Sarah, I, I just want you to help me, um, create a new, um, interior design business. She was in her sixties and I could tell her entire body image. Um, she had zero interest in actually creating this business. I'm like, are you like, you actually look bored talking about it. Like, are you actually into, into this? And then what actually came out was that, um, her son and daughter-in-law had a child, um, what, what she believed was too young. Um, but as a result, they were still in school. They were still doing other things. They were busy. So she would become the babysitter five days a week. Mm-hmm. And so because of her own sense of unworthiness, um, and not trusting her voice, she wanted to take on an entire business so she'd actually have a legitimate excuse or reason to then create those boundaries. So to take on some, you know, she's put money into something, invest into something that she's actually not even interested in, take on a bigger financial burden because she didn't necessarily have the self-worth, which I believe is rooted in shame. So it's really looking at what are the areas in which you could be, um, your empowerment is being violated by other people. But another thing is also looking at um, and having the courage to hold a mirror up to yourself and identify how your insecurities or your own shame can be causing yourself to actually disempower others. And Mm. I see this a lot with couples. Um, I see this a lot. I love working with couples. I love working with, um, you know, I just got a, a woman and her daughter. I've been working with the daughter for quite some time. The mom wanted to start working together after she spoke to her. Um, And what that, you know, their intention is to heal the generations of shame that have been existing because it's passed, you know, it can be passed on over time. Like we talk about Mm -hmm. with the mother putting post-it notes. um, She was taught early on that her self-image is how you meet the requirement of love and being enough. Right. So we can only pass on what we learn or how we, how we know to love. Um, So that's something that I see a lot with couples is, um, is, Yes, I want to heal, but there's also a level of self-responsibility that, okay, I need to clean up some stuff so I don't disempower other people. Um, and I mean, I won't, I won't go into another, I feel like I've, you know, bored you with all of these stories, but no, no, it's really interesting. Um, I see that like, you know, this gentleman that I, that I've been working with is he, Um, you know, as he's working to heal up all of his own layers of shame and all of these moments in time in which he felt that um, he was always at fault or he was always to blame. um, What can happen in that space is when you are willing to take ownership and accountability of your own crap that you want to clean up. um, If you're not in that headspace, 
the only other opposite headspace is blaming other people for your problems. Mm -hmm. And so we have two people, one who's taking accountability for his own stuff that he's bringing and another person or his partner who's going into this relationship or who has been part of this relationship um, also blaming him because she Mm -hmm. does not want to take responsibility for the stuff that she needs to clean up. Um, So that's, yeah, all of those say that some of the the early steps um, it's yeah, looking at ways in which you yourself find that your um, own empowerment is being violated and how are your, and just having the awareness to look at the areas that you're causing potentially other people to be um, disempowered as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the disempowerment of others is such an important aspect that probably doesn't get talked about as much. It's often like, okay, I have sexual shame. How can I heal myself or like stop other people from treating me, you know, poorly or, you know, having them, yeah, not respect me. But then it's also, well, okay, how are you showing up? How are you treating others? And I think that is such a key thing that is often is often missed and yeah yeah, I know until you said that then I was like oh that's so interesting like okay how how am I actually showing up you know myself and how is my shame being expressed and put onto others and like I feel like it's so easy to look at other people and be like I can see that you're doing that to me or you're doing that to somebody else but it's so much harder to then you know have that introspection and look at yourself Yeah. yeah well and even like in the story that I used um, had, oh, I would have loved to have had that gentleman and worked with the gentleman who wanted to beefen up my client's booty. (laughs) (laughs) Again, when we can actually project or when we put and, and blame or shame other people, it's a projection of our own insecurities that we're feeling. Yeah. So it's also rooted in our own insecurities, right? So, um, when you are actually in a state of true empowerment of true self-love, um, um, true self-trust, like true unconditional love, it is impossible to actually put down and mm-hmm. to cause harm to other people, mm-hmm. right? So if he was in a healthy state of mind himself, if he was in an empowered state himself, um, I mean, he, you know, he had all of his, all of these other layers as it came to, you know, being one of, uh, two brothers where he was the younger brother, not the favored brother, not the more successful brother, um, uh, was told his whole life that he wasn't, you know, financially successful enough to take care of himself or deemed successful within the family unit. Father and brother were both incredibly successful finite. So he has all of these things. What will naturally happen is it will naturally manifest itself outwards into either harming ourselves or harming others. So for him, it, it resulted in putting other people's bodies or, you know, their body image down um Mm. when there was stuff that he needed to clean up within himself yeah absolutely and I'd be so interested to know if he even thought of it as putting other people down like if he even thought by saying that yeah absolutely so like yeah this is gonna yeah they're gonna love themselves even more because they're gonna have a better be amazing yeah. and the benefit of it too but also you can't just like bat it off at us like you can't just like you know that woman could have very easily been like all right let's let's chuck on some weight let's do this it could have gone to everywhere else but yeah. no her bum and then would he have been like mm, honey you're getting a bit chunky we need to right this isn't working like 
Yeah. And that's such an important piece is because if we don't actually have um, the awareness or the accountability to like clean up our own stuff that like, that's how healing of the world can occur is every human being taking their own. It's, and what our world or our society actually does is we point fault at everyone else around us. And so um, in that space, um, the problem, or I guess, in finding or in pointing blame externally, uh, you will never be satiated. Mm. Right. So um, it wouldn't matter if it was, and I've seen this countless times, um, whether it was, you know, the size of her butt, whether it was her underwear, whether it was this, that, or the other thing, she could change some things. And every time she changed something, it was something else. Because if the problem was always external, there will always need to be actually more problems externally to point out. And so the solution never lies in trying to change someone else because it can never be satiated. No, absolutely not. And I feel like 100% with how our society is constructed, like going really like macro here, but like, you know, a capitalistic society, we're always wanting more, we're looking for more materialistic things, like, you know, better, constantly just like, I want more, I want more, nothing's ever enough. And we're so focused on that. And I can 100% see then in these relationships where somebody is asking for you know something where it's appearance it's not like actually like oh can you treat me better (laughs) like it's like something like that like it is never gonna be enough and then also if you do change yourself for them and change that aspect and not be doing it because that's something you actually want to do it's then going to show that person all right they listened to me they're going to change I can keep molding them exactly to the person I want them to be it's all of those layers like we talked about adding up to the point of like how did how did I get here with this guy's you know fist or his hand fish hooking my mouth right like I don't get it but what were all of the points that you actually tried to mold or you didn't um you didn't have a deep sense of self-worth within yourself where all of these other little disempowering moments continued without and it's not you know it's it's never about blaming something on on the woman the men the anything um it's more about the awareness of what are those moments those finite moments um in which you felt like a part of you um who you were at your core um the incredible human being you know or core essence at what point was that being violated yeah and that itself creates layer after layer after layer Absolutely. And I feel like even with that like fish hook example, I feel like even though, you know, you might be like, well, what did I do to get to this point? If I think of like a different example, if it's like a one night stand, for instance, sometimes you can't help if somebody's literally going to just pull something on you that you haven't done. But like you need to be able to speak up in that moment so that you can empower yourself so that if you do find yourself with somebody new, um, you either then before you start having sex, hey, I have some boundaries. I'm not into this, this or this. Or you do have your voice because so I find so many cis women lose their voice during sex. They're too mm-hmm. afraid to speak up and say either one, I don't like what you're doing. Two, it actually isn't pleasurable. Like you're actually like you're trying to rub my clit right now. And you're actually rubbing my right labia and I, I don't have any sensation there. <laughs> and like they're just not actually saying, you know, this actually isn't enjoyable and just like going along with it or also I see so many like cis women faking orgasms which I imagine would probably come into shame of like shame Mm -hmm. wanting to like you know 
you know make the other person feel good um Mm -hmm. or just get it done and over with and that's their way of being like okay this is the I guess the the easy way out when you could literally just use your words which would probably take just probably less effort than trying to fake an orgasm and be like yeah I I'm I don't want to continue with this or I'm done or I need a break I need some water and like being Mm -hmm. able to to stop that sexual encounter in that in that moment Mm -hmm. Well, and when you talk about even like shame around sex or intimacy, um, and again, when we talk about all of these layers, you know, I'm, I'm, I have one specific um, example in mind in which, you know, a woman very early on, she was gifted a vibrator from her mother, um, which, you know, and that's okay, great. That's empowering. Um, but based on also the age, based on the circumstances, based on what was modeled to her, you know, it was actually more about, and the message that was received was, you don't need a man for pleasure. You can do this. Okay, wonderful. Um, fast forward a couple of years, uh, for whatever reason, she couldn't um, get orgasms as many women don't. Um, she goes to her doctor. The doctor actually offers to give her an orgasm. He says, yeah, well, the first one's just actually quite simple. Do you want, we can get out of the way. And, and just as long as you know, like, you know, what you're, you're never going to get as many as, uh, as the men or as your partners. So again, here's another message uh, and, you know, she goes on her way, but another message that, um, you know, a, you're not meant to, you know, this really isn't about you. Pleasure isn't about you. Primarily Mm -hmm. it's the man who receives the pleasure. Um, and it's also transactional meaning, um, you know, this is, it's not even required to be in the space of two intimate partners that care about each other or just an intimate, um, you know, time in your life where, you know, again, it, like you said, it could be a one night stand where someone's just like, yeah, this is a good time. Um, then it actually had a transactional meaning on it. Um, so again, it's constant messages in various forms that women can receive that, um, you know, my job is to please is to provide pleasure. Um, if I can get pleasure in, in return, wonderful, but that's not all, you know, that's not why I'm here. And so we've seen that in so many different messages and, and porn and in movies and everything else to the point of, yeah, well, maybe I just won't speak up in bed. Maybe I'll just fake this because, you know, it, it will get the job done. He's already finished. Okay, great. That's what matters. And then they continue on their way. So, yeah, I Absolutely. see that. Absolutely. And I feel like for a lot of women too, it just seems like too much effort, especially if the sex is so off par, like if it's mm-hmm. just so not it, it's like, oh my God, this is just too much work. And especially um, within casual relationships as well, I feel like, because you, it's not like an investment as much as a relationship where like you've completely invested in this person. You want to take the time to make sure this is, this is good. Whereas I feel like if you're, you know, having more casual sex and it's just like, oh, I'm just going to put up with this but then you still put on a show for them most of the time, you know, you still, <laughs> you still go all out. Like I just, and I keep going back to casual sex. I think that's just because that's where I'm at in my life. <laughs> so it's just like comes to me quickly. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I see so many women just, they're there to, to put on a show. They want and the validation. They want that person to be like, that was amazing. You were mm-hmm. so great. But, like, was it good for you? Was it even worth it? Like, yeah, the validation might feel right. But say you then go back to this person 10 times by, like, the 10th time you're going to be like, what am I doing? This Like, mm-hmm. why are we having sex that isn't enjoyable? And, like, yeah. yeah, it's not always about just the sex and there's the intimacy and all those other things. But, like, you don't have to have sex to get those intimate moments, which is mm-hmm. something, like, I've, you know, done work on, like, 
you can you know have intimacy without having to have sex like you don't have to have sex and then get the cuddles or you know that that pillow talk after sex or that closeness and whatever there's other ways that you can you can find that if that's actually what like you're seeking Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah um and I think also on that it it all boils down to and is rooted in um do I trust myself enough um do I feel that I am worthy and deserving um, of prioritizing my own needs, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like. Right. And we will, like I said, we will cross seemingly illogical, nonsensical borders and lines in order to have those fundamental human needs met. Like you said, to mm-hmm. be a- approved of, to be validated, to receive love. Um, even if that love's c- love comes at a cost or I'm, you know, quote, quoting love, um, or even if that validation or approval comes at a cost of our own sense of empowerment. Absolutely. And I've seen it so many times. Like I see so many relationships where everyone on the outside is like, what are you doing? Leave them. Like this sucks. Mm -hmm. This is not, Mm -hmm. this is not empowering, but they, you will do anything like you can in that, in that space. It's like, this is a irrational mind and it's not until you're out of it and you've, you know, done either the work or you've had enough time pass or somebody new comes in your life that you're like, what the fuck was I doing? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you look back and it's just like, how did I not see all of that? But you just have so much going on, all of the emotion, the hormones, everything then if you're adding in things like anxious attachments and the adrenaline of like getting somebody, getting them back or having them, you know, yeah. in closer proximity, like there's just so much at play that like you, I guess, also have to be kind to yourself that like sometimes it isn't as like rational and unless you have, I guess, the moment where it clicks yourself or somebody who maybe like having like a coach like yourself who can really sit you sit you down because I feel like having friends and family is one thing but having an external person who isn't doesn't necessarily have a biased opinion I guess if that makes sense to be able to like support you through that yeah and I was just having a conversation with a client on this yesterday that I'm actually moving into more of a state of empowerment can and often does come at a cost And that's what I see as one of the greatest um, barriers to actually stepping into a more empowered state of living um, or being, whatever you want to call it, um, is not even the finances, not the time, not the energy required, whatever, but it's who will I lose or what parts of myself will I lose if I become empowered? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that can be something that, again, like we said, it can keep us in relationships and keep us thinking, well, this is the best I can get. Um, and you know, I should just be grateful. I have someone, he's not abusive. So this is fine. Right. Like that our, our bars or our standards can be set so low. Yeah. Yeah. And so actually what is required and based on what we witness, what is modeled to us, what we believe, um, it can take substantial. And, and this is what I always say and why, you know, I do coaching the way I do is it actually moving belief systems, shifting paradigms in your mind of what you're used to, what you think you deserve versus what is possible, like loving, respectful, unconditional, you know, it's um, a truly connected type of relationship. um, One in which you truly want to lift each other up and empower one another, as opposed to ripping each other down, which can certainly happen. Um, What can happen is again, repetition is needed in order for that paradigm to shift a constant reminder, because again, like I said, many of us are dealing with years, sometimes decades, sometimes generations 
of the type of relationships or the way of living or the certain paradigms or belief systems um, that, you know, we believe is the norm or is the paradigm with which we have operated up to a point where we said, wait, I think something so much more beautiful is possible here, but I've never witnessed it. I've never seen it. I've never seen otherwise. So how do I even, you know, it's, it's very easy to be pulled back into that previous world. Absolutely. And the unknown is terrifying. Like mm-hmm. you could mm-hmm. have something that is comfortable and it fucking sucks, mm-hmm. but you know it. <laughs> you know the feelings of like how terrible it feels, but that's more comfortable yes. than possibly a new feeling that you haven't you haven't felt. Like people constantly are more happy to sit in the really shitty feelings because it's known to them. It's not yeah. a surprise if every week you, you know you go through the same relationship pattern and you feel like absolute shit and whatever. That's comfortable because you're used mm-hmm. to it. Like mm-hmm. you've gotten yourself in that pattern. So then having to be like, okay, I deserve more. And then the uncomfortable feeling of like, okay, what's it going to be like on my own or a new relationship? Like, cause they're terrifying because you haven't necessarily experienced it in this new, the state of who you are today. Yeah. 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 And you'll hear that a lot with relationships in terms of, oh, I, I like the way that you were. Or I like yes. the old you, right? I don't like, yes. yeah, you know, I don't like the new you. And <laughs> oftentimes that's because, well, hey, I, I didn't know the real me before this. I didn't know the real me before. Like, I'm just trying to figure that out. So, of course, you didn't know that, you know, this old person existed. But, you know, that's, that is the, I think, the foundation of a healthy and loving and truly supportive relationship is, um, again, not making it about you if someone is, expanding if someone is growing mm-hmm. if someone is evolving into a more and and that's the hardest part sometimes yeah. we don't want people to grow if it means they're outgrowing us absolutely yeah that no that's so true and it can just be so intimidating also to see somebody grow you're not growing if you're not growing in the same space but also you might both grow and in that like process you no longer align with each other and like that's okay too like I think there's such a pressure on like having like a really like long-term monogamous relationship within society but if you're both actually doing the work sometimes it's like yeah we actually don't align anymore Mm -hmm. and even though that's sad it's also like that's a part of I guess the process Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I guess my next question for you is what is something that is orgasmic to you? What is something that is orgasmic to me? Gosh, good question. Um, I think that how I see or how I interpret that word um, is it something it's, it can be like the beauty or the ecstasy in a moment. Mm-hmm. And so I don't necessarily associate, associate that with like a sexual connotation. Um, but I think witnessing um, people in their various forms of art, meaning like monomaniacal obsessions that people have where just, it's like they're almost art to life. They're art to whether you want to call it God, creator, source, whatever it is. Um, but it's witnessing, you know, whether it's, uh, say, an actor or an actress, someone who is, um, you know, in a certain performance, someone who I'm actually going to a, uh, I'm, I'm taking, I do self date nights once a week. And Amazing. I'm going to a um, Celtic performance, um, sorry, Celtic performance tomorrow uh, of a woman, it, her, her husband, and uh, they have 
you know, I think three or four children, but they're all little fiddlers and like bagpipers. So they do like Celtic music and they're doing Celtic Christmas concert. <laughs> That's probably not what you expected when you asked what's orgasmic, but just witnessing people and like just their full, like, like limitless expansion of passion and excitement and like what they feel like their, their purpose and focus is. Um, I think it's just such a beautiful thing to witness when you can move past the expectations that the world or society or anyone else has of you. And you're just fully and solely focused and committed on what your, um, your art is. In yeah. Life. And that I is what gets that. me really turned on <laughs> yeah, no, I love in that, that space. <laughs> no, I love that. And I love, I love asking these questions because I get such a diverse yeah. range of responses. Some people take it sexually and other people yeah. take it. <laughs> like that and like that's the beauty of it Christmas concert (laughs) (laughs) I love it (laughs) so (laughs) where can the shaggers find you and your content social media business everything yeah they can find me at uh, sarahlogeness.com um they probably won't know how to spell that but I'll put it probably, in the show notes. Yeah, they'll see it in the show notes. Um, Instagram is sarah.lajeunesse. Uh, and I'm also on Facebook at the same as well. So yeah, people can can check me out. I have a um, a newsletter out on Tuesdays, a soundbite for a little podcast piece as well called Ruthless Tuesdays, um, where I talk a lot about um, sometimes socially deemed deemed inappropriate topics that people don't want to talk about and that cause a lot of shame and actually like we t- we've spent this last hour time out build up to a point where we find ourselves in disempowering and unwanted circumstances um so yeah that's where people can find me amazing well thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your knowledge thank you so much for having me Emily this has been so fun as always shaggers please reach out with any comments questions or stories either through my instagram at that's orgasmic or my email emily duncan at that's orgasmic.com please subscribe whenever platform you used to listen to this podcast and leave a review as i would love to know what you're thinking so thank you shaggers and i'll see you next time <laughs>